Hey friends, this is Josh Blair. I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the message you hear today will encourage you, inspire you, and help you walk closer with Jesus this week. I'd like to begin by giving honor where honor is due, and uh, honor is due to your pastors. Pastor Josh um, and I met when my wife and I moved to Sacramento about five years ago. And we moved to Sac, we didn't have any friends, we didn't know anybody there, and we just trusted that God was going to provide the right friends. And uh, Josh and Faith were the first couple to reach out to us, and they invited us to a Young Mary's group that we're going to, and they became our strongest friendship that we have even to this day. And uh, that's the type of pastors that you have. You have people that, that see those who don't have any friends, and they reach out, and they invite them. And, and I see that in this church, I see that this is a church that loves, and that reaches out and invites people, and uh, can we just give a round of applause for your pastors? They're amazing. Love them. Well, I want to give you an update on my family. Last time I was here, we talked a little bit about my kids. And uh, I got some pictures of them for you. Uh, the oldest is Luke. We got a picture of Luke coming up here. That's Luke right there. Uh, he just turned two on the fourth. And since this day, since Luke has drove that car, he thinks he's ready to get his driver's license. Uh, every time we get in the car, he asks to drive. He throws a fit if he doesn't drive. You know those terrible twos? They're real. They're real. And uh, I haven't let him drive yet, but I'm getting close. Um, the next one is of little Liam. That's my 10-month-old. And, uh, you know, that right there in Liam's hand is his favorite toy in the whole house. <laughs> Isn't that weird? You get kids, these electronics, teddy bears, blocks, all this stuff. But, no, that's his favorite toy, that stick. And that's proof that he's a little savage, that second picture of him. I mean, just look, at, look in those eyes. That's intense. Liam means mighty warrior, and that's, that's proof. Uh, the next one is of my beautiful wife, and uh, that's me and her at Yosemite. That's the face she makes when I kiss her. That's how crazy she is about me. And uh, she is home today. She couldn't make it. She just had a bridal shower, and uh, those things are intense. So she's taking a day of rest with the boys. And, uh, but we've been happily married for four years. And uh, yeah, like I said, to this day, the couple that's blessed us the most has been Faith and Josh. And we miss you guys. They came over here. You guys stole them for, from us. And we're still a little jealous about that. So I'm, I'm asking God to give me forgiveness um, for you. But I, I, I forget, I'm starting to forgive you. Uh, now, when Faith and Josh reached out and asked me to preach on this message, I said, sure. I flipped open my Bible. And uh, I knew that this was a God-ordained moment because the passage that we're looking at today is a passage that has changed my life. And, and there's certain passages that we read that we love, but there's some that really speak to us, that change us, that transform us. And this was one of those for me and for my family. I can honestly say that this made me have a better marriage. It made me a better father. And it made me have more intimacy with God. So I do believe that God had an intention and a purpose for bringing me here today. So I'm, I'm blessed to be here. We're going to go ahead and kick it off in Mark. Um, we're going to go to Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at the end. And we're going to look at a subject that I was very unfamiliar with until about three years ago. Just had no idea what it was and had, had to do with me. And you might be in that same place today, but we're going to take it apart. And my prayer is by the end of this sermon, we'll all be encouraged by this topic. So let's read it. It's in Mark chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 23. It says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answers, have you never read what David did when he and companions were hungry and in need? 
In the days of Abiatar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, and, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he, Jesus, this is the part I want us to focus on, then Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man. That's what we're going to be talking about today. What is the Sabbath? What does it have to do for, with us? And how does it typically, how does it generally apply to our lives? Uh, for me, it was something that was foreign for a long time. I didn't know what the Sabbath was. You might be there today and say, the Sabbath? Is that like going to church on Sunday? Like, is that something they did in the Old Testament? What's the Sabbath all about? We're going to break that down. We're going to break that down. And uh, Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, you gotta, what you got to see here is it's pretty interesting. Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, right? And they're questioning him. And they have no idea that they're talking to the creator of life. Right? They're talking to God in human form. And, and Jesus, what he wants us to get from this passage is he's saying that I made the Sabbath for you. I made the Sabbath as a gift for you. It's something I want you to enjoy. It's not something I want you to ignore. It's not something that I want you to forget about. It's something that I have for you today. And, and he's going to get into that even more so. Uh, and, but I want you to notice, nowhere does Jesus say that, hey, now that I'm coming, the Sabbath is over. Nowhere does he say that I came to abolish the Sabbath. But instead, Jesus comes and he gives us deeper insight and depth into what the Sabbath is about. And uh, Mark thinks this is so important, he's going to talk about it in Mark chapter 3. So let's continue on in the text. Mark 3, verse 1, it says, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with the shriveled hand was there. Some of them who were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal this man on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everybody, right? Jesus wants them all to see this. Jesus asks, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But everybody remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at at their stubborn hearts. And Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched it out and his hand was completely healed. And if I'm honest with you today, I thoroughly believe that God wants to heal you on the Sabbath as well. God wants to heal your marriages on the Sabbath. He wants to bring more unity in your relationship with your children. He wants to bring more love between your families. And he wants to heal you in your relationship with him on the Sabbath too. That is his will. Uh, The Sabbath, Jesus says, is for doing good. The Sabbath is for giving life. And the Sabbath is for restoration. Now, the, um, the problem is we don't really know what a Sabbath is. As I said, the uh, book that really opened up my eyes to it, I want to give credit where credit's due, is The Emotionally Healthy Leader by Peter Schizero. Um, if you're a leader, I highly recommend you read this. If you are not a leader, but you go to church and you love God and you want to get closer and you like what you hear today in the sermon, uh, Peter Schizero also writes a book called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And it's, it's amazing. So you want to pick it up. Um, now, let's, let's take a look at Sabbath. Let's take it apart and figure out what it's about. Figure out why it is that we should be concerned with this. First place we're going to look is Exodus 20, uh, verses 8 and 11. Exodus 20. It says, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. God rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now to, to break it down a little bit more, I want to give you a definition of the Sabbath. Let's go ahead and put that up there. Um, the, the Sabbath, how I would define it, how Peter Schizero defines it, is the Sabbath is a 24-hour period, all right? A 24-hour period, so I want you to think about your week in 24 hours. It's a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work. When's the last time you stopped work? Which we stop work, we enjoy rest. Doesn't that sound good, enjoying rest? Does somebody want to enjoy rest in here? I know I do. I want to enjoy some rest. We, we practice delight. When's the last time you were delighted? You know God matters. It matters to God that you experience delight. Like God's not just this God with a hammer or the judge. He's not only your savior, he is that, but he's also a good father who wants his children to practice delight. Isn't that special? There's no God like our God. And he wants us to contemplate God. He, that is, he wants us to focus upon the things of God. So we're going to break down each and every one of these and I think what we're going to find is the Sabbath is a gift that can set us free. And it's a gift that God wants to use to heal us today. He wants to heal our families. So stop work. Stop work is the first one. Now, the reason why stopping work is so hard is because we live in a culture that is full of workaholics. All right, we got any workaholics in the room? I know that I can tend to be a workaholic sometimes. And so when we get down to the core of it, why are we workaholics? You know, I think the reason we're workaholics is we tend to believe that our performance dictates our value, right? We tend to think that the things that we do, the job that we have, the title, the position, those things make us valuable. And when we stop sometimes, we feel like maybe we don't have value, like maybe we don't have worth. When we keep our feet on the gas pedal, right, we're going, going, going. We don't have to think about our thoughts. We don't have to think about our emotions and feelings. We just go, go, go. But when we stop, we have to face ourselves in the mirror. We got to stop and we got to think about where does my relationship with God like? Where does my value come from? What is my worth? And, and for too long, we have allowed our performance to dictate our value. But, but I want you to know that you are just as holy today as you will ever be in your entire life. Can I say that again? You are just as holy today as you will ever be in your entire life. You might have made a giant mistake last week. You may have sinned last night. You might have fought with your spouse on the ride here, right? I know I didn't, but I rode here alone, so I had it kind of easy, right? You might, have, you might have messed up, but you are just as holy right now in this moment as you will ever be. And the reason is because the blood of Christ is what dictates your holiness. It's not your performance. And the blood of Jesus is the same yesterday. It's the same today, and it's going to be the same for eternity. So your holiness has already been set. You see, God says that we are clean, he says that you are righteous. He says that you're as white as snow. He says that you get to have right standing before him, that you can access the throne of God with confidence, with boldness. And that's not because of your work. That's not because of your work. The reason we practice the Sabbath is we step away from our jobs for a second. We take our foot off the gas and we, and we take a break and we say, God, I am holy because you've made me holy. It's not because of me. When's the last time we said that to ourselves? When's the last time we stepped away from our work so we could do that? God wants that on the Sabbath. Now, the second part of the Sabbath, this part is a little bit uh, easier for me than it is for my wife. And uh, that is that we don't just need to cease our paid work, right? Not just your job, not just your career. But on the Sabbath, we also need to cease the unpaid work of life. 
the unpaid work of life. How many of us have days off filled with unpaid work, right? Where it's your day off and you're running, you got to do this errand, then you're taking kid to the doctor, then you're going and you're doing the laundry, you're doing all these things, right? And some of us haven't had a real day off in years. That's the truth. I was there. Like, I didn't have a day off in years. But the Sabbath is about stopping the paid and the unpaid work. And, and this, is, this is, you can see this in, in Scripture. In Exodus 29, um, the, verse, the verse that we read, it says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Notice it says all. You should do the paid and unpaid work. So when your Sabbath does come around, you shouldn't have to do laundry on it. For me, laundry feels like work. Does laundry feel like work to you? Man, on the Sabbath, you know what we use? We use paper plates because I hate doing dishes. I hate doing dishes. You should have a day in your life where you give yourself a break. Don't we want that? Isn't the Bible liberating God's design for our life? Like, I want a break from work. And so we, what you have to do in order for this to happen is you got to get all your work done in six days. So for me and my wife, when I was pastoring in Sacramento, we took our Sabbath on Saturday, right? Because Sunday I was a pastor. So that meant I was working. That wasn't the day. You know, today is not your pastor's Sabbath. Today's not his Sabbath because he's coming forth and he's pouring out his life and his, he's here, right? And so Sabbath, Saturday was my Sabbath. It might be Pastor Josh's too. And so what we did is Friday night, we did the laundry. Friday night, we ran the errands. Friday night, we made sacrifices so that when Saturday came around, we could be free from work. Give yourself a break. God wants you to give yourself a break. It's a beautiful thing. Give yourself a break. And you know what it does is when we stop, when we stop work and we take a break, we realize that we don't run the world. Do you know that when you stop working, God is still on the throne? God is still in control. And so stopping work, practicing the Sabbath, allows us to break free from this illusion that we got to run the world, because we don't. We serve a God who does. He runs it. And he set our identity as well. Now, the next part of the Sabbath is a fun one. It's uh, enjoying rest. Enjoying rest. You know, when I think about rest, I think about uh, the shepherd. This idea of the shepherd in the Old Testament. We've, we've read about it, right? The shepherd and the sheep. And then Jesus comes in the New Testament, and he fulfills that role as the shepherd. Well, in the Old Testament, it's really interesting. So the shepherd had a very hard job because the, the, um, the what's the word I'm looking for? Well, the climate in the Old Testament where they lived, the context was it was an arid Mediterranean climate. So I want you to think like mountains with, that are rocky. It's a desert. It's not green and luscious. Like if you're trying to feed sheep, it's going to be pretty difficult. It's going to be a hard job. Like if I was there, I'd probably, I wouldn't be a good shepherd. I don't know where to go. But these shepherds were highly skilled, and they were strategic. And so they would take these sheep, and they'd take them from one location to another. They'd say, I know where grass is. We're going to take these sheep. We're going to travel through this hard patch of desert, right? And that's what God does with us. He says, I know where I'm going to lead these sheep. I know where I'm going to lead my children. I'm going to take them to this place. And so uh, a shepherd would take them from one location to another. And in that desert, there were animals that were out to kill them. There was danger lurking behind every corner, but yet that shepherd kept them safe, just like God keeps us safe. And it was essential that when they came to a place when it was time to rest, and the shepherd said, hey, it's time to rest, it was essential that the sheep listened to him. Because if they didn't, they weren't going to make it in the future. And, and we see this uh, in Psalm 23. We see this in Psalm 23, one of the most famous psalms. I'm sure many of us know about it. Uh, psalm 23, let me read it to you. Um, it's, it's written by David. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Sabbath allows you to say the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, what is the, what is the shepherd making the sheep do right here? Making them rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Right? There's time when the shepherd says, come with me. I want you to lie down. I want you to enjoy rest. I want to lead you beside quiet waters. I don't want this to be a burden. I want it to be a blessing. Let me get your tank full again. Some of us have been running on empty for a long time. God desires to fill us back up. He's merciful like that. He's good like that. And you know what this reminds me of is a lot of times God will say, come rest. And we'll say, no, God, I don't got time to rest. We'll say, God, I, I, need, I need all seven days to get my work done. Like, can you make an eighth day? Maybe I can do the Sabbath then, right? And it reminds me, you know, I, a lot of times what I realize is I act like my two-year-old son. I do every day at 1230. You know what comes around is it's two words that my two-year-old resents. It's called nap time. Nap time. I tell my two-year-old, I say, Luke, come on, baby. It's time to take a nap. You know what Luke does? He runs away. No, Dad, no. He's like, I want to watch TV. I want to do this. I want it. And all of a sudden, everything looks appealing to my son when it's time to rest, you know? I say, come here. Luke, a piece of trash. I'm like, a piece of trash? He's just trying to stall. You know what I'm saying? Kids are, kids are crazy. They're manipulative, these little guys. And we do the same thing. We say, sorry, God, I can't rest. I got things to do. Like, I need to do this. I have to. And so, you know what I do with my two-year-old? I pick him up, and I carry him, and I avoid the kicks and the screams and the scratches, right? And I lay him down because I know that he needs rest. And we have a good father who knows that we need rest. And just like the two-year-old who doesn't get his nap, when we don't get our rest, we get grumpy. We get grumpy, just ask your spouse. They'll let you know. They'll be like, yeah, you get grumpy. Mm -hmm. We get overwhelmed by things that shouldn't overwhelm us. Normal tasks in life become bigger than they're supposed to be. And we don't, we're not our best versions of ourselves when we don't rest. So we have to trust the good shepherd. We have to trust the good shepherd. We have to enjoy rest on the Sabbath. Enjoy rest. We have to understand that if we're going to make it through this life, if we're going to make it through those seasons, through that desert time, then we got to rest when the good shepherd says to. The, the other thing that, that I experienced is a lot of times it's hard to rest. And if you haven't rested in a while, it might be because you believe that when you rest, you feel like you're being lazy. That ever happened to anybody? It's like, man, I'm just sitting around. Like, I need to do stuff. I need to be productive. And, and a lot of times we take rest and we equate it with laziness. We do. But you got to see that rest is not laziness. Rest is actually godliness. And, and the scripture that proves that is Genesis 2, 1 through 4. I'll read it to you. It says, thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. Right? God worked. God did his work. And work is holiness. Work is good. And, and on the seventh day, God had finished the work he was doing. So on the seventh day, God rested. God rested. Rest is godliness. God rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You see, rest is godliness. Some of us, you know, we, we see our spouse and we say, you know what? They're just laying around. They're just being lazy. Like, get up and do something, right? Or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we feel like whenever somebody's just chilling, they, they're not being productive. Like, they need to get up and do more. But what we got to see is rest is godliness. We've got to let each other rest. And be intentional so you have time to rest. Absolutely. And uh, what I want to see, too, is here God's design of finding rest is he made something very good, right, for six days. And then on the seventh, he stopped and he looked back. How many times do we give ourselves a chance to stop 
and look back at our week and to consider what was good. There's a blessing in that, and that brings about true rest. The third step is to practice delight. Practice delight. This is about being full of joy and delight. Don't we all want more delight in our lives? I know I do. Uh, Genesis 131, this is all biblical. God practices delight. It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. You know that God took time after he created to stop and to look at his creation and to celebrate? This is why this is in Scripture. God stops and he says, man, that's very good. That is very good. And God, the Sabbath is all about God inviting us to celebrate with him. God wants you to celebrate with him. He wants you to stop and look at the gifts that he's given you. And he wants you to say, God, that's good. He wants you to stop and look at your children, to look at your marriage, to look at your relationships, look at your house, look at the things that he's given you and say, God, this is good. I delight in these things. That's what the Sabbath is all about. You know, I, I look around and we got a lot of amazing fathers in this room. We do. I know your pastor's one of them. And when we get our kids a gift, what do we want them to do with that gift? We want them to play with that gift, right? We want them to delight in that gift because we love them. And the Father's given us the Sabbath because he wants us to delight in that gift. He's given you your families. He's given you everything that you have so that you would delight in that. That you would delight in that. What, do you, what should you be delighting in today? What does God want you to delight in today? You know, I, I love what I delight in. I love steak. Can I be honest with you? Mm, I love steak. I know you said you're going to feed me after Pastor Josh. I mean, I love steak. I do. <laughs> I love steak. So what we do is uh, we wait till the Sabbath to have our best meal of the week. We make steak, man. I love shrimp. Mm, I love crab. I can't afford it, but I love crab. And uh, I just, so we, we eat good food on the Sabbath. We take this time to slow down and, and to eat our favorite things. We listen to music that we love. We, we hang out with the people that give us life. You know how you have those friends that just give you life? I hope you have some of those friends. Not the ones that zap you of life, but they give you life. You know what I'm talking about? Those are the ones that you should hang out with on the Sabbath. Take delight in them. God's gifts come in various forms, including people, places, and things. Go out in nature. When's the last time you went out in nature and just enjoyed God's creation? Delighted in that. You know, the beautiful thing is that as we take delight, for those of us that are parents and grandparents, the kids will notice that, and they're going to learn to do the same thing. But if we're workaholics, the kids will notice that too, and they're going to learn to do the same thing. And maybe that's why we're workaholics today. I had parents that are workaholics. Right? And I learned that habit, and now I'm doing my best to break it. So let's break that today for our children so that they can learn to be rested. They can learn to delight in God's gifts. Um, the, the Sabbath, eat good food, good music, do whatever it is. You know, the beautiful thing is Jesus wants you to make this day for you and your family. Right? The Pharisees came and said, Jesus, the Sabbath should fit in this box. It should look directly this way. And Jesus says, No. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath is a gift for man, right? You don't need to make this a ritualistic thing. Make it for your family and make it a fun day. Make it a beautiful day. We're not meant to take a vacation once a year. That's not God's rhythm for our lives. We're meant to take a vacation once a week on the Sabbath with our families. 
Now this last part is contemplating God. Contemplating God. And, and this is the last one, and we're coming near to an end here. And uh, contemplating God is, is all about pondering and focusing on the love of God in your life. And, and during the Sabbath, it's so important. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who's been guilty of this, but if you guys ever take a vacation and you just unplug from everything, and then you realize at the end of the vacation, like, I also accidentally unplugged from God. <laughs> That's just me. You know, you're like, I prayed, but it was only when I ate food. Like, and and the, we got to make sure we don't do this on the Sabbath, that when we vacation, we don't pull away from God, but we draw close to him. We draw close to him, and God will speak to you. He'll speak to you in various areas of your life. This doesn't mean that you got to spend the entire day reading your Bible or prayer, right? That's, your Sabbath does not have to look like that. If I'm honest with you, that doesn't sound like rest to me. I would be pretty tired after I read my Bible all day. Now, reading your Bible and prayer, you should definitely do on your Sabbath. Do that, absolutely. And do the other things that draw you close to God. For me, yesterday, you know what I did? I played with my little boy. My wife was out at the bridal shower. I laid down on the ground with Luke. I played with some trains, right? I looked him in the eyes. I saw that joy. And I was reminded that that's how my Father in heaven looks at me. That was me contemplating God. And you can do that. And God wants to reveal himself to you in so many ways. And if you take the time to stop, to slow down, he will speak to you. And he's everywhere. You know, another way to contemplate God, and I think a lot of us don't do this, I didn't do this for a long time, is we stop and we ask God, Lord, how have you answered my prayers in the past? You ever done that? You ever stopped and just thought about the prayers that you've prayed over the years and thought about how faithful God has been to those prayers? I mean, I think about my wife. She's the most amazing woman I know. And I remember years ago, I prayed for a wife like that, and God gave her to me. I think about my boys, man. They're healthy. They're beautiful. I love them to death. And I prayed for children, and God gave me those boys. You see, God is faithful. I prayed for a house, and I have a house that exceeded my expectations. God helped me with that financially. When's the last time you stopped and thought about how much God has answered your prayers? The Sabbath is all about slowing down and thinking about everything God has done for you. And you'll see that he is evident all over your life. His love is there. He's moving, and he's been gracious to you, I promise. Just take the time and look, and you'll see him. There's also power that comes from contemplating on God. And this power is mentioned in Scripture. Romans 12, 2 says, I love the way that the New Living Translation puts it. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't be a workaholic. Don't run like this world runs, right? Don't base your identity on your performance. Just don't do it. It says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. God wants to change the way you think today. And the Sabbath will allow you to do that. It'll allow you to step away from that normal rhythm and allow God to transform your mind. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so one of the things uh, Josh mentioned, Pastor Josh mentioned, is that I'm going to school and, uh, to get my master's to be a marriage and family therapist. And so one of the things they have me studying is neuroscience, the science of the brain. It's real com complicated. It's kind of over my head. But uh, one thing that I learned was that it's amazing. Science is proving Scripture to be true. 
Science is proving scripture to be true. Things that were written and inspired by the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago are proving to be true. I mean, God's word is good. It is the truth. And uh, a book I was reading by Dr. Caroline Leaf, she actually says, she says that as we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and we can replace them with healthy thoughts. And so there's this term called neuroplasticity. And it's, it's the, um, what that means is the brain is able to heal itself. So when 2,000 years ago, when the Holy Spirit inspired the writing of be renewed by the transforming of your minds, that's actually something that takes place on a daily basis. And, and the amazing thing is there's certain parts of your brain that although you may have ruined those parts in the past, although you may have done damage to them, like I had done to my brain, God is able to heal those parts of your brain. He's able to make these neural connections new and stronger, and that part of your brain will continue to grow until the rest of your life. It grows until you die. Scripture is true. And when we stop on the Sabbath, when we contemplate God, when we focus upon the things of God, you know what he's doing? He's renewing our minds. He's changing our lives. He's making us love our families more. He's making us remove the greed from our lives and replace it with gratitude. He's strengthening our relationship with him. That's powerful. I want that. Do you want that in your life? I want it in my life too. So practically, the Sabbath is going to look different for each of you. And that's okay. It was made for you. And my prayer is that you would take the Sabbath, that you would apply it to your life, that you would find freedom, that you would be intentional, and that the six days that you do work now, they would be full of energy and more zeal for the Lord because you rested on the seventh. My prayer is that your marriages would be strengthened, that you would have more quality time with your spouse, that you would have more time for your grandkids, for your children, that they would, they would see parents who truly delight in God. And that that would be modeled for them and they would grow up to do the same. That we would practice this tradition of Sabbath that's all over scripture that's so important that Mark put it in chapter 2 and 3.